afternoon, gangsters and ballers. Gavin, Alex Osborne, and Stephen Cotton here for game day 35. Review part two. How are you, gentlemen? Not bad, not Good. bad. How are you? Um, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I'm I'm sort of over the Arsenal result yesterday, but there's there's a lot more that we need to be uh be chatting about. Seeing Wagwan in the football world, you're uh, we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and Twitch, and you can subscribe to our channel if you look below. Um, at to a top football on YouTube, just running on the bottom ticker tape there. Also, if you put two up top into Google. We show up first. How lovely is that? <gasps> right, as I said, it's the it's the pre it's the it's the review show. However, there is more information that's been happening today, and we need to talk about that because it's it's all it's all going Dane in the world of football. Man City, they've had their UEFA ban overturned. Alex, what are your thoughts on that? Not surprising. Um. I'm not. I, I. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. To be honest with you, I kind of feel that there's rules to follow, and is it the uh, sport of arbitration? Is that is that that's the that's the people who've actually overturned yeah, Cass, the appeal, yeah. they? they? They've upheld the appeal on City, and they've overturned the actual fine in in place. So it's not before people go. Oh, UEFA can't follow through on anything. It's actually not UEFA who's done it. It's this other people who have gone over the top of UEFA. Um, but I also feel like financial fair play is a bit of a sham uh, because I mm. feel like it's only been put in place to stop any club from actually joining the established European elite and it's to make sure that people are trying to know their place and that when a club tries to break into it, a la PSG, Man City, that they'll actually try and punish them more harshly than what should be done. So I feel like it's a bit of both, really. What do you think, Cotton? Uh, I don't think I could like disagree with an opinion more. Like, the, I think the, the financial fair play is is to stop. Like, look, look, what's, look what's happened in France. You say about PSG. Who, who's what, Okay, Monaco won the league two years ago. Who's won the league in the last six, seven years? And, and, and Monaco, Monaco won that league title. And what happened to their players? And here come yeah, PSG. Here come PSG with two hundred million from Mbappe. Here come PSG with shady, shady deals for Neymar that flirted around the rules of uh, the rules of football. That they, the, the the Bank of Dubai deposited the two hundred million into Neymar's bank account so he could buy himself out of a contract. The financial fair play is is it's to, it should stop teams like PSG because that's it now. Can you honestly see another French team winning that PSG, uh, winning League on while PSG are there with this money in this team? Can you see no. another team doing anything? And, and 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 it's I understand that I understand that people do need to invest in teams to to catch up. Like like Everton and Liverpool, Everton can't just carry on like this forever and and stay this far behind Liverpool. But to just get brought out by oil barons and and, and Tr- trillionaires and then just spending 500 million in a season it's, it's nonsense man like uh, any anyone supporting a team in say france what what's the point of your seasons now you, you can't you can't start a league on the season thinking oh we might do it this year when when you're when you're leal and you've got you come up against psg and it's just 
Akadi, Neymar, Mbappe, Kimpembe, Thiago Silva on five hundred grand a week. Like, what, what's what's the point? You could say the it's, same about Bayern Munich in Germany. Yeah, but Bayern Munich in Germany, in Germany. Yeah, but in in Germany, you're they're, there's they're very they're very good with business, so to speak. You know, half the but clubs are still own, the same, I, isn't it? No, not it's necessarily. Still, when was the last, 50, last team not Bayern Munich won the title? Yeah, but fifty percent of the club, fifty fifty percent of the club is owned by the fans. So exactly. the, the, the the situation is different in in uh, in, in Germany as it is to. No, by a minute, just screw the rest of the league out a different yeah, way. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, they, but, they've, they've, but they've but they've earned their money. They haven't they haven't just they haven't just had someone come in last week and go ego kids. Step and also, spend all the money Bayern, you want. Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich, they are so shrewd with their business. Bayern Munich will be like, right, okay, um, Goretzka, I really like, I really want you to join. It's like, well, I've got a year left on my contract. It's like, well, tell you what, stay at your club for another year and just come over anyway. They get them on a free. They can pay them whatever wages they want because they're saving money on transfer fees by lobbing out big but, wages. But how is that? How is that helping the rest of the German league? They, they. They're not giving a fee to the club that they're buying their best player from, and then they're screwing them over in terms of the TV rights that they get. They're not doing the Premier, the German Bundesliga don't do the same thing in terms of the Premier League, where they split the TV money equally between all 20 teams, and the prize money is distributed quite evenly as well. Bayern Munich are like, no, we want it all. The same yeah, goes same, for Barcelona, same and Real Madrid, yeah, and right, same, same That's why those leagues. They're, they're, that's on the league. Okay, that's on the league. it's good. I could, I could agree with you about PSG, but you need to still look at the other clubs and say they're they're screwing the other clubs in in, in other ways as well. That's not a financial fair play situation, though. No, that's, that's the thing. Exactly. That's, the dif- that's the difference on that one. It's, prime, it's, prime, it's, it's power in that prime situation. example, right? So, well, obviously, when Sky came into the Premier League in in, in ninety two, ninety three, and put all the money, all the money in the world into it, right? So, when when we won our first five, six, seven titles. You, youth players, right? We we didn't spend an absorbent amount of money for the first X amount of seasons, but because we because we were winning and X and whatever, we we were building a brand. We were, we were making our own money, right? So then, when we did start spending in the in the two thousand early two thousands and the two thousands, that's money that we had amassed as a club. It's money we'd earned because we'd become a global brand, etc. So when we got when we got told that we had brought titles because we'd gone out and brought. Van Persie, or we've gone out and brought Andy Cole, Dwight York. Fair enough, people can look at it that way, but there's a vast difference of spending money that we've earned to to win a title than shakes and oil barons just coming into a league, buying a club, and then suddenly two years later they've spent 500 million in one league. That's vastly, vastly different. Sponsorship deals in in the Premier League are, are different as well. You know, like w- when a club gets a new sponsor, a new shirt sponsor, it's like, well, okay, that's thirty million a year, you know, which is a lot of money. But then Etihad Airways contribute four hundred million. A year. Uh, and how annoying is that? Uh, how 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 does that work? You know, that's that's dodgy as hell. I think Man City have have got away with it. I think it's made an absolute shambles. Of financial fair play. Look at look at look at um, Birmingham City. You know, look at uh, Sheffield United, uh, Sheffield Wednesday. They're looking at twelve point deductions at the moment for breaching financial fair play. Man City get a slap on the wrist, a ten million fine, and they'll be able to crack on and, and carry on with the rest of their rest of their how, season. I don't like that. How unbelievably stupid is that, right? That you 
we've said this before, you are you're punishing a team for spending unlimited amounts of money by finding them money. They don't care. What's what what is 10 million to City? That's not gonna that's not gonna go. Okay, if you give Burnley a ten million pound fine, that's next season they're thinking right. Well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to reevaluate what we're gonna do with the season. Like we're gonna have to offload some players and we're gonna have to consolidate. Ten million pound fine to City. What is that? Reduced from thirty million as well. What? It was meant to be thirty million in the two year ban. Now their ban has been overturned and they only have to pay a third of of that outgoing. And don't get me wrong, this isn't because it's City. Like. Uh, other teams should be should be looked into, like you said about PSG. PSG that needs a that's a whole investigation that needs to happen. But do you think probably won't? Because Alex, you mentioned you mentioned Bayern Munich. Do you, do you feel that the the other half, like the club half, uh, owned side of Bayern Munich? Do you reckon that needs to be looked into? No, no, I'm not saying that they need to look into it. I'm just saying that the European elite want to keep it as a small select of clubs and that any other club trying to get into that European elite, they're going to look down upon and complain and chastise them. I think Mm. one of the reasons why probably UEFA have gone so hard here at Man City is I found a good Twitter thread about this. And the reason why uh, PSG haven't quite gotten the same uh, kind of uh, in, uh, ban initially is City guys because PSG's involvement in the Champions League and the heightened uh, attention on them has kind of opened up the French market for them, which it didn't have before. Whereas City haven't really added to the market here in England because you already had the big clubs like Liverpool, Man U, Arsenal, Chelsea mm. uh, already doing that. That's why UEFA have kind of gone a bit harder at City because they didn't like to be taken for fools. But, you know. That's made themselves out to be fools. Yeah, they have. Um, Everyone was made to look like fools yesterday because I feel that if you were to (laughs) bet correctly, you would have lost a lot of money. It's an absolute acabusting day yesterday. Uh, Let's start off briefly with the Arsenal Tottenham game because um, we did have a watch along and people were throwing their two quids worth in as we were watching, which we really appreciate. Can I just say something unbiased because obviously you two are Arsenal fans? But uh, all three of us here up to up top would like to congratulate Tottenham on winning the league yesterday. Um, massive, <laughs> massive, massive achievement. Um, the, celebration, the celebrations on Facebook and Twitter were, were absolutely great to see. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm happy for him. I'm really happy for him. Yeah, we all are. Tottenham 2, Arsenal 1. Uh, goals from Lacazette. Absolute worldie from, from, from 25 yards out. Uh, Equalised by a world-class through ball from Kalazinac to uh, Hummin Son. And then a header right at the end by Alderweireld. Now, Spurs, whoever won that game, had a decent opportunity of getting a European spot, especially with the news that's happened today with Manchester City. Is that is that taking Arsenal out of the European equation now? Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, said, I don't, don't think so. I don't think we're going to get there. Yeah, I, I said to, I said to you before we before we came on air, Gav. I said that today's ruling has that means that yesterday's game was massive, massive. Mm. But obviously, it, it it opens up the. I mean, to get into Europe, you, you're probably your best bet now is either winning the FA Cup, or if City, Chelsea, or United win it, then obviously seventh goes up for Europa. So. Now, I'm not fussed about Europe. In fact, I don't want European football. And the reason why I don't want European football for Arsenal is because it's a it's a rebuilding side. It's a new manager. 
And I think he needs a year just to focus on the Premier League and what he's got. It's a bit like when, when Chelsea went through their little transition, they almost got relegated that year and they finished 10th in the end, I think it was. And the following season, they went on to win the league. I'm not saying Arsenal are going to win the league before anyone starts jumping up and piping up, because I'm not saying that in any way, shape or form. But what I am saying is that it allowed Chelsea to focus more on their season and the 38 games, having fit players week in, week out. And I think that is key for Arsenal. Um, one stat here. Uh, Arsenal dropped 15 points from winning positions since Arteta took over. What? Uh, how, how, how do you digest that information? Uh, I mean, that's not, that's not really... I don't think that's an Arteta problem. I... I think that's an Arsenal DNA over the last five years um, mm. problem. Because I, I reckon if you if you were to go back over the last few years, even the last year of Wenger, if you looked at how many points you dropped from winning positions in Wenger's last season, how many points you dropped from winning positions under Emery, I, I don't think it would be too much different. Mm. I feel that there's, there is some tactical issues that he needs to overcome. I think... I think I think Arteta needs to start being more proactive rather than reactive with some changes. That's just a personal opinion. I just think that when you're when you're one nil up in games on the hour mark, have a look at making changes. Then don't wait for an equaliser to come in. It was a bit different yesterday because the equaliser only came two three minutes after the after the opening goal. So that's a different story altogether. But I, I felt that there was opportunities for change, whether it be like for like just like change a little bit of like get a bit more legs in the game or or to, you know, change a bit of shape. I think that could have been done. Because I don't, I don't feel that, that Tottenham were anywhere near Arsenal, really and truly, yesterday, until the equaliser. And then after the equaliser, uh, not the equaliser, sorry, until they went 2-1 um, up. And then after that, they could have scored a third. They could have even potentially have scored a fourth. Do you, know, do you know what I would say? And it, and it does tie into you, you saying that you don't really want or need European football next year. You've got to remember that Arteta hasn't, hasn't been there long. He hasn't had windows. There, there might be players in that squad. I don't think Arsenal or Arteta are as vocal about it as some other clubs are when they say, or making excuses like, we don't fancy this player, we need windows. There's players in that squad that Arteta might not want to play or, or don't fit his style of football. But because that's mm. what he's got at the minute, that is what he has to... So with the Europa League thing next year, like you said, I, you might benefit from having a year out getting a squad together that he likes, ble bleeding in some of the youth players, and you don't want to be flying out to Turkmenistan on a Thursday, coming back and then having to play in the Premier League on a Sunday with a squad that isn't massive and you've, you've not got a, a, like a pool of core players that he likes. So mm. I, 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 it is hard to judge him at the minute, I think, because I, I know the cliche is give him a few windows, but it really is. like We don't know if he fancies those players. Obviously, Ozil is never playing for Arsenal again by the looks of it. Thankfully. There, there, was, there was decisions we thought yesterday, like we, we had the discussion of why didn't Saka start instead of Pepe. But obviously, we don't see what goes on on the training ground. We don't know what mm. Arteta thinks. Because Arteta didn't buy Pepe, did he? Was he... Was he... No, it was the Emery purchase. Yeah, so, so that's the thing. Arteta might have come in and he might look at Pepe and go, you could be, you're not my kind of player. And, and but we we don't know that, so I I think to, I think it'd be too harsh to judge him, especially on yesterday's result. Like I think the only reason Spurs won yesterday is they cre they created one or two more clear cut chances, 
And I say that because one of the goals was assisted by Arsenal anyway. It, it was very tight. It wasn't It wasn't like it was an absolute mauling or a drubbing. Oh, it's got anything to add to that? No, I think Cotton's pretty much summed it up very well there. Um, I think there's a lot more probably going on behind the scenes than we probably think. I As... As it says, alluded to, Mesut Ozil hasn't played a minute of Premier League football since the restart. And I'll keep saying this. He is the biggest problem at Arsenal until he leaves the club because he's your highest paid player. He's not playing. And when he does play, he's not producing the results of a player who is your highest paid player. And what he's doing is that he's a huge drain on your resources for someone on that wage. And you're not getting anything back from it. Um there's an issue with Guendouzi, whether it's his attitude, whether it's his uh, application, whatever. Clearly, it's just not meshing well with Arteta. So there's that. And are they going to sell him when the transfer window opens? Does that uh, does that then open up some funds? Obviously, you've got Aubameyang's situation hanging over the club. Is it? Is we are we going to be able to sell him on if he doesn't sign a contract? Even if even in the reduced market of COVID, with only one year left, are there going to be any clubs going to come in for him or think, do you know what, we'll wait till the, when he's, uh, when he's, we can have him on a free instead. Is that going to happen? Is Lacazette going to leave? You know, uh, is there any going to be other players leaving, like Torreira, um, you know, Mustafi? All of these are kind of up in the air. So it's a lot to try and digest. And they're obviously still trying to play football. As Again, as Cotton said, th- this is a team that, wasn't put together by him. It was put together by previous management. So he's going to want to try and put his own stamp on it. And what kind of flexibility is he going to be able to have? So he's trying to implement his own style in players that weren't purchased by him. So not necessarily meaning... I mean, I can't think that Kalasnach is is kind of centre-half that he wants to play. But because the injury to Pablo Mari, Rob Holden... Uh, coming back from injury, whether he's good enough for Arsenal is another matter. I mean, Socrates hasn't... I don't think Socrates has played a minute of Premier League football since the restart either. So mm. there's yeah. a lot there going all on that he's tr- he's got to try and sort out. And yeah, uh, this, this, trans- this transfer window is, is going to be a very interesting one for Arsenal to see what happens. See what happens there. Right then, it's time oh, for oh, this. Oh, oh, look, carry on. <laughs> It's your facial expressions on that just get me. <laughs> what are Everton? Wolves three, Everton nil. Now, this is another Acker buster. No one knew which. If someone said who's going to win this game pre-match, you don't want to touch it because Wolves form haven't been great. Everton, they've been touch and go. They've looked all right after the restart, and the last few games have not been so great. But to predict a three-nil Wolves, I think would have been very brave in particular. Jimenez with a penalty just before half time. Then Donka on the, like literally just after the restart, and then Alex's good old pal Diego Yotta uh, with fifteen minutes to go. We love a bit of Yotta, don't we? But, um, yeah, Wolves. It's, uh, Everton. What are they? <laughs> a four-letter a four expletive that begins with S and ends in T, I think. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know we touched on it yesterday. Jordan Pickford. It's, it's scandalous, isn't it? I thought you were being a bit yeah. harsh when you sent me that before, Cotton. And... Um, 
I looked at it again because I thought the move was brilliant. The, the, the Neves pass was world class, and I love I love Neves anyway. He's only twenty three, brilliant player. And I was thinking, mate, he's, he's, he's slotted that own pretty smartly. And then you look at it again from another angle. Why is he getting beaten like that? Exactly. Like, I, I'm, even I was super critical of De Gea the other week for getting beat at the near post. And I think this was even closer. This was It was literally just inside the post. But it, it wasn't even just that goal. It was him, him letting a, a shot squirm under his arm and barely stopping it on the line. There's a few other instances where he was out of position and he just didn't have a great game. Uh, but that's it's not new. He he does this every every other game. He Jordan Pickford kind of emphasizes and is the epitome of what our Everton like. What is he? Some games he is a worldie, and then some games he's dropping a 95 minute goal against Liverpool under the crossbar for no reason. It's mm. he he must be. Uh, if he's your goalkeeper, it must be so painful to watch week in, week out. Alex, what do Everton need to do to move on? Well, um, so you've got money. You... I think. I think uh, we meant we off air. We were talking about this yesterday. I think uh, Cotton mentioned about Seamus Coleman's interview they did after the game. I think it was you, uh, Cotton, who mentioned. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I seem to recall it, and he he was basically saying that, including himself the whole mentality of the club has to change. And that I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? I mean, no matter, it, it seems that no matter who you get in as manager, no matter who you get in as players, they're just going to be inconsistently consistent, if you want to if you want to use that phrase. Um, and how do you go about doing that? How do you go about changing the mentality of a club? Is it, does it come from the top downwards? Does it come from the bottom upwards? I mean, I, I would tend to believe it's got to come from the owners and, and it filters its way down. And they've got some good players at Everton as well. Let's not let's not go on like they, like it's a, it's a yeah squad that's. Over I think I think that's what's so frustrating about them is that they have got good players, they have got a good manager in place, and yet it still seems like this is the same old Everton that's that's yeah. been around for years. I mean, you, again, the what what is Everton thing? You could you could go through that squad and you could say, okay, what is Richarlison? What is like you could go through so many of them and Richarlison on his day could could be he could play for any any of the top four top five. But then he, some he days, could play for anyone in world football on his yeah, day. But how often? Some is days, day? exactly. Some days it's, he just doesn't look like he he wants he wants to turn up. Yeah, and like you look at Yerry Mina. At the back, he's built, he's, he's powerful, he's quick, he's strong. And you think, oh, he's got the perfect attributes for a central defender. But when is it ever his day? Michael Keane. Everybody wanted Michael yeah. Keane a year or two ago. And, and what, what, Andre what, Gomez as well. He can spray the ball around. He looks. He can look pretty good doing it. But then, then you'll, you'll see him have an absolute shocker where he can't control a ball. He can't pass it five yards. And you're like, what's this clown doing in the middle of the park? I'm an old school guy and I love a I love a four four two, but it does not work with Everton. And the thing is, Ancelotti is 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 renowned for being a four four two manager. But when you are when your midfield is Tom Davies and Gilfie Sigurdsson, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. You the, the way Everton are, they need to be playing a four two three one. They have to do that. Or even potentially looking at having three at the back. A four two three one will allow that cover. 
Then you could have Gilfie in behind or even put Bernard there if you want to. I know Bernard will play but, wide, but you can play him in behind and then have I mean, uh, Calvert-Lewin or, or uh, Richarlison through the middle. He could even go back to the, uh, cr- the was it the uh, tr- Christmas tree formation he had at Milan? Mm. Um, the four three two one formation that wouldn't yeah. that wouldn't uh, be too far wrong to go with Everton, and they've got the players for it. They don't really have. Look, you could play you could play Richarlison wide. So like let's say let's say uh, we can have a look at um, Tom Davies and um, and Gomez as the two, don't because one one deep line playmaker Del- one can chop. You got still got Delph there as well. You've got Delph there as well. So, yeah, Delph, Delph, Delph and Davies, you know, if you want some also, defensive cover. I know he's been out injured, but that um, Gabamin, who they got from, um, yeah. was, it, was, it, was it Augsburg, did he come from? Um, yeah, 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 French, yeah, Is it the French lad? Yeah. But, uh, is he French? No, Gabamin. Yeah, oh, no, he's French, he's Ivorian, French, African, he? or African, yeah, French. He's yeah. Ivor, Ivorian, yeah, he's Ivorian. But no matter what, no matter what um, formation they do play, they need to stop with 30 minutes left of the game, having Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, Walcott, Bernard, and everyone Keane, else under yeah. the sun, having six strikers up front and just balls to the wall. That's that's where that's where another thing where they go wrong. It's like Uber Uber Championship Manager to panic mode. Yeah, because all out of back. It's the build. Oh, no, my yeah, headset, my it's, headset, it's you, you kind of create a massive vacuum in the middle of the park, and you you haven't got to build up to get to those strikers. You either got to hit it long. And therefore, when you hit it long, there's a lot more risk, isn't it, in the ball sticking up top? Yeah, it's yeah, it's they they need to seriously consider some some shape changes. But on the on the flip side, Wolves really important victory for Wolves, and that puts yeah. them back in contention for for a potential top four finish. Yeah, especially again, you're talking about massive results. That was a massive result for Wolves in staying in the European competition for place uh, places for competition. Um, because they say they had had a previous slide the last couple of games, uh, the two previous games, mm. and now that obviously the uh, only top four going there, I think Wolves have pretty much sealed a place at least in the Europa League, haven't they? Pretty much, yeah. Um, right then, let's go to Villa, Aston Villa two, Crystal Palace nil. A uh, couple of contentious situations and decisions that were made, uh, including Palace's opener. Uh, if you want to call it that, on, on five or six minutes where the corner was crossed in and it come off, it, it, it's, it come off the top of the shoulder of, of Sacco and it's gone to VAR and they've disallowed it and it's it's proven quite a shocking decision. I haven't I've seen any news as to whether VAR have defended that decision or whether they've gone against it. But I think it should definitely, have, uh, that goal should have stood. Well, the problem the problem is isn't it with VAR at the minute? It's, it is with that handball ruling, isn't it? That, that, that it, it, by the letter of the law, same with the Lucas Moore one. As stupid as it is, by the letter of the law, they've they've got to give it. Like the Lucas Moore one, even, even that one. Whoever was whoever was in, whoever was at Stockley Park, and, and when they disallowed that goal for handball at the the Palace one, they would have been saying no goal through gritted teeth. They would have been hands on heads embarrassed that they have to disallow it but it's it's the it's the rule at the minute but there's been goals this season in games with the VAR where it has been like a glance off the head McBurney. on the top and gone in 
and it's and it stood because it's come off it's come off the top of the shoulder as if you've gone to head it. You can if the ball comes down, Cristiano Ronaldo's brilliant at this. The ball comes down, I'm just going to control it on my shoulder and then bring it down. Does anyone give a free kick for that? No. Is it part of a build-up for a goal and the goal stands? Yeah. So what's the difference there as to what happened with Sacco yesterday? Well, I think that that is everyone. What everyone's major gripe with VAR is not well, probably the amount it's got wrong, but it's the inconsistency of the things it's got wrong. Like like you said about the shoulder, that the, the goal McBurney scored against against us, and it's he's controlled it there, sort of thing. And the VAR, the replay, we all watched the replay and thought, oh, well, that's all well and good. They'll 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 disallow it then because it's handball. And then they still gave it. And everyone, I, I remember the Sky Sports Studio after that. Everybody was like. So what are we doing? What what are we doing? And then, and then mm. you see that you see that where's where's it hit him? And I don't even think he knows much about it because he's gone for the header, and it's kind of dropped down onto the top of his onto the top of his shoulder, man. I can't I can't understand how that goal was given. Um, Villa felt that they could have gone two 0 up with a penalty after Trezeguet scored. Trezeguet's goal was pretty nice actually. Yeah, I must say. Both, both of them. I thought he took him quite well. But the, the Villa felt that they should have had a penalty. When you watch it first time, it's like, yeah, that's that's a penalty. Um, Jack Grealish was 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 taken out. Yeah, it's pretty clear. But on viewing, it wasn't a penalty. What did you think when you saw it first time, Alex? And then we know we know what the decision is after. But what, when you saw it first time, did you feel like it was a penalty? Uh, yeah, I think I thought it was a penalty. Uh, when I saw it in real time, but yeah, as the replay showed, uh, he's taken a bit of a liberty there, hasn't he, uh, Jack Grealish? And mm. I believe that's what—that's only the second time a penalty decision has been overturned uh, via VAR this season. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In, 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 in thinking, yeah. So uh, I, I think Jack Grealish has got to kind of be looking, feeling a bit sheepish himself. Oh, I, I, do you know what? He probably isn't. To be fair, he, he probably doesn't care about it. So, but he, he, he should be really because that was that was appalling. That was really bad. Well, like West Ham. Oh, no, sorry, like I said yesterday, when we when we were, I think because we were talking uh, during the game, and uh, surely I understand that he's, there's a little bit of contact on his foot. But as we've always said, contact in the box isn't always a penalty. The the contact on his foot happens, and then there's about a second and a half, and he throws himself to the ground like he's been electrocuted. Surely, after looking at that on VAR, he's, he has tried to con the referee yeah. to get the penalty by diving that exaggeratedly. Exaggeratedly? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the word. So surely... Do they, don't they call it simulation, I think? Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it is simulation. So, so is, yeah. that, is that not a yellow card? Yeah, well, yeah, it should be, shouldn't it? This, uh, I think this goes back to the... When VAR... When you say you look at back at VAR using the Lucas Moura case is that, yeah, Lucas Moura was a handball, but then it should be a free kick given against the team who fouled Lucas Moura, which made yeah. him handball. Made they case, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. It's naughty. It's naughty stuff. Um, with Villa winning, you know, it put heaped, it heaped a lot of pressure on Bournemouth. And Bournemouth were, were a goal down. Uh, Bournemouth were a goal down after after 23 minutes with a goal from Jamie Vardy, who's the standout lead candidate now for the Golden Boot in the Premier League this year. Bournemouth had only won two points from losing positions all season. You know, Antonio scored that trick. 
Yeah, well, I scored four goals at the weekend. So it was only it was only gonna Trezeguet scored a brace. David McGoldrick scored a brace. So it was only gonna it only meant that Solanke was gonna score this weekend, wasn't it? And they they ended up running out four one winners at home to to Leicester. I I don't know anyone in their right mind that would have put on a Bournemouth minus one or when Leicester were leading, you know, Bournemouth, Bournemouth to, to win from behind or, or um, Bournemouth to win the second half or Solanke Brace. You know, this is the Akabuster of all Akabusters, right? Yeah, and we we um we stayed we all stayed on uh, on together after the um, North London derby to watch to watch this game together, and um we we were genuinely like it was one of those disbelief. Like every time Bournemouth scored again, we we're thinking right that's gonna that's gonna be bad. Some, something's got to cancel that goal out. Like that that can't be can't be the case. But they just they just kept on coming. They did. Leicester Leicester were their their own downfall, weren't they? Schmeichel for the first goal, kicking the ball straight into the back of Ndidi. Yes. So, yeah. Soyuncu then losing his head after not really defending that well for the second goal and then kicking out and getting himself sent off. Uh, Fou- Christian Foos giving the ball away to uh, Solanke for him to score the third goal. And obviously the deflection for the, the other one as well. It's just Leicester were completely and utterly lost their heads and just gave it away completely. First half, I think Leicester had what was it? It was eleven shot, eleven eleven shots, five, 11 five shots. on target, yeah. and, and they dominated the game. And yeah. I, I genuinely think they went in at halftime, game game done. Let's 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 think about next week. We're on our holidays, sort of thing. Because when they came back out, on there's no way you should be giving Bournemouth with their form and their confidence. Don't give them any way back into that game. Yeah. And Leicester, Leicester came back out after that second half. Like they just didn't care. Like they were all hung over on a Sunday morning. Like it was just like sloppy passes. People weren't tracking men properly. They were just, and I think it it was it was more disrespect. I think they were like, when you see there was a couple of times when, like I said, people weren't marking as tightly or people weren't following runners, and it, it almost gave off that impression. They're like, ah, eh, it's it's Junior Stanislas, eh, Solanke. Like we'll, we'll be fine, boys. Pass it round the back with some real hospital passes, it's fine. They're not going to capitalise on it. And they did. They done right. They done well did. Bournemouth, this is giant for them because they were down and out as far as I was concerned. And I felt that if, uh, I felt like even if they got a draw, they would be, they would be gone forever. And I can't see Bournemouth, if they do go down, I can't see them coming back into the Premier League anytime soon no matter who they keep or who goes. But now it's just tightened things up even more so at the bottom of the league. So the table reads like this. Uh, Norwich, they're down. We know this. Uh, they're, on, they're on 21 points in 20th place. 19th place is Villa on 30 points. 18th place is Bournemouth on 31. Watford in 17th on 34. West Ham, 16th, 34. And now we can probably talk about Brighton again now with those results yesterday. And Brighton, they're in 15th on 36. I think they're safe. I don't think there's anything to worry about with Brighton. But those two wins for Villam and, and Bournemouth is, is really throwing the cat amongst the pigeons. Do you know what? I I don't think it has. I don't think... I think that it was. it's good for the two of them to have a little fight left in them and, and make, make the last week or two interesting. 
But I, I still think the three that go down are Norwich, Villa and Bournemouth. I don't think it changes too much. I mean, like, the, the Bournemouth have got Man City during the week. So uh, that... Exactly. That's the thing. Like, Bournemouth put in, that, put in that shift against Leicester and Villa finally won a game. But now, okay, they were shocks. But can you look at their remaining fixtures and say you think they're going to get a point or two here? Not forgetting well, that you've also got, but, 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 you've but also Villa, got Villa, Villa Everton on Thursday. Yeah, but you've also but Villa have also got to rely on other teams around them to be losing as well. So it's not just a case of they have to sort themselves out. They've got to worry about what else is going on. And and I think I think Bournemouth and Villa have left it too little, too late, and. You can't you can't survive in the Premier League in the last five games. You've got you've got thirty eight games to do it, and if you leave it down to to the wire, then it, it West is Ham, it. West Ham Watford on Friday. Uh, but I could see West Ham. I could see. But then again, even the, the nightmare would be a draw. If if they if they draw Bournemouth and Villa, that's 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 no good for them whatsoever. And then United have got West Ham. Yeah, but that's that's and, and, and West, that West Ham Villa on the last day of the season. Yeah, so West Ham could really uh, could Arsenal play Watford on the last day of the season. Side. Bournemouth, Bournemouth for away to Everton on the last day of the season. So it's it's not. I don't. I don't think it's quite done yet. I don't think it's quite done yet. I think there's still a, a couple of twists and turns that could happen, especially the fact that Watford and West Ham have got to play against each other on Friday and then Watford, uh, then West Ham versus Villa on the last day of the season because Villa might be gone by then. Who knows? So, yeah, but, uh, but, but, but Villa might be... But Bournemouth might need a win on the last day to survive. Do you, you know, so it's... Yeah. So do, do you think any other team other than Bournemouth and Villa are going to join Norwich? If I had to put you on the spot now, do you think uh, another I mean, team? The fact that you're having to think about that no, kind of says no, it really. No, it's just it's just the, the fact that West Ham. I think West Ham will beat Watford. So then that brings Watford back into it, and then Watford might have to rely on trying to get a victory at the Emirates on the last day of the season. But you got to Villa, remember that. Getting a win against West Ham. You got to remember that. Then Arsenal might not have anything to play. Probably won't have anything to play for. So what does it matter to Arsenal if they win or lose that game? And also, from a mentality point, it should. Don't forget, even if Watford lose to West Ham or Watford have to go to Arsenal, you, the Villa have still got to win pretty much all of their remaining games. Bournemouth have still yeah. got to win their games. So it's not as just it's not as easy as Watford dropping points. It's will will they capitalise on it? Yeah, yeah. You got to think as well. There's nine points left to play for for all what four sides, right? West Ham and yeah. Watford, obviously, they can't get the full nine points because they play each other, right? Or one of them can't anyway. Can you see them overturning what West Ham and, and Villa and Bournemouth overturning a four-point deficit? If Villa win their next game out and that game ends a draw, then there's only a two-point gap between Villa, Watford, and West Ham. And then that, I think, I think we need to have a look at it on the next, the next lot of fixtures and, and see where we're at. I really do, and th that that game on Friday is absolutely key. There are a couple of games before that though. Uh, tonight, Manchester United versus Southampton. We look at Manchester United's form since they've had Bruno Fernandes, and we know that they are they are, have been the best team in the Premier League. It's, it's proven. The table shows that in terms of the form since Bruno Fernandes has joined. But Southampton's away form has been brilliant this year, and it's what has kept them in the division. Oh, uh, I'm. I'm... I see a draw tonight. Where are you see seeing it? it going? 
Where am I, I seeing it? Know. I see Manchester yeah. United win. Comfortable win? I'd, I'd say 2-0. I reckon 2-3-0, I think. Uh, I can understand why Cotton might be a little bit apprehensive yet. Southampton's form has been away from home. Hassan Hurt was a very good manager. However, I just think Manchester United are just a better team. They've got better players and they're banging form. Their confidence is up. And yeah, I just think that will carry them through. I'll tell you why I think we'll drop points as well. We will drop points because Chelsea have dropped points. And that, uh, has, yeah. been, that has been the, the, the theme throughout the season. Whenever we can catch up to Chelsea, they've drawn or lost. We draw or lose every well, remember, single time. Remember last year when you know Arsenal had the most favourable running? You know, yeah. Man United were up there, Chelsea were up there and Spurs were up there. And places third to sixth were open for anybody. And no one wanted it. And I feel like this year it's the same, but people do want it more that are outside those top four positions. Yeah. They want it more. Villa want it. A lot of Villa. Um, Wolves want it. United want it. You know, I don't think I don't think Leicester and Chelsea they're, they're in a similar situation to a couple of teams last year. Obviously, obviously, our form since the restart has been great, but not to take away from Liverpool because Liverpool have been the best team in England for the last two years. They probably deserved the league last year. They definitely deserved it this year. But when you look at their 20, 24 points clear or whatever, like it's so, it tells the story of the season that every, it was like when Leicester won it. Fair play to Leicester, but everyone else just has given up. Like if, if this United team that had this start to the season finished third, that tells you everything of what the season's been, really, I think. Mm. Um, Chelsea, they have a chance to atone for their errors at the weekend on Tuesday night. Uh, they play against already relegated Norwich. Now, if this isn't a comfortable victory, then I don't know what is. No, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know anything anymore. And they're at home as well, aren't they? They are. Comfortable yeah. victory, Alex? Yeah, comfortable victory for me. Um, yeah, Nor- Norwich, Norwich. I don't see Norwich getting another point <laughs> for the remaining three games. They just can't no, defend. It's as simple as that. Really at this can't. level, anyway. Mm. Uh, well, we'll be back um, having a look at those two games and previewing the rest of the game day 36 on Wednesday lunchtime, 1pm. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with Jed Searson, former head coach of West Ham United. Not head coach, sorry, head scout at West Ham United. So we're going to be talking about all scouting football tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that. It's going to be quite a very interesting show. And it'll also give you an insight as to as to what happens behind the scenes at football clubs, which is I think is, is pretty cool. Um, but, um, oh yeah. Once again, how can I forget? Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all going on the bottom there. At Tour of Top Football. At Tour of Top Football on all social media. Just make it nice and easy. And if you put Tour of Top Football into Google, we show up first. Thanks, boys. And ta-ra.